Ion 2020, episode 240. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here host of Eye on the Impeachment, I, I mean, I mean, Eye on 2020, uh, bringing you the news and the things of the day, things that are going on in the 2020 election, but it seems like most importantly, the the impeachment, so that's pretty much what, what all the news is about, that's what I've been talking about for the last couple of days, I've been trying to avoid it, I really have, it's kind of hard to avoid though, and that's pretty much what is in the news, that's pretty much what they're talking about, um, that's pretty much everything that I hear. Yeah, I listen to Fox News, MSNBC. I listen to CNBC. I listen to a couple different things. I, mean, I I have XM Sirius Radio in my car now, so that's not really an advertisement for him. But uh, I've been switching back and forth here and there, listening to music, listening to that, listening to this, listening to my podcast as well. And I've got Fox News on there. I got MSNBC on there. I got CNBC on there. I got a couple of others as well. I even listen to like this progressive station and I listen to some patriot station and just trying to get a feel of what people are talking about. And pretty much it's all impeachment all day, every day, no matter what. There's really not much else that they're talking about. So it kind of forces my hand into talking about it as well, which I really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm kind of sick of listening to it. I'm sure you guys are as well. Uh, but if not, then keep on listening. But if, uh, I don't know. I'm going to try to get get some different topics going as well. But something that was interesting, really, today that I was, when I was listening to a couple of the news stations and they were talking about Nancy Pelosi, and I guess she took some questions. And she had said this is not about this Ukraine thing. It's been for two and a half years. It's about the investiga- investigation that's been going on for like two and a half years or something. And it really gets back to the heart of it to me that from the very beginning, I mean, from day one after Donald Trump was elected, like, I think they had the march, the the Women's March on Washington, like, the next day or something, or within, like, the next week or next weekend it was. I can't remember exactly when it was, but, like, they started doing, the liberal side started doing all kinds of stuff in reaction to the Trump election almost immediately. And then you start having politicians, these, uh, the Democrats, like, immediately you start hearing for calls for impeachment, that he didn't win the election properly, that there was Russia meddling, that there was this, that there was that. Like, that's what you start hearing almost immediately. And it does make people like me, and I'm sure lots of independents and others think to themselves, it is just a witch hunt. And it has me thinking that stuff as well a lot of times. I am not, like I've said before, I'm a libertarian. I used to be honest with you before I started doing this show I used to generally stay out of politics altogether until probably about the summer before an election I would really start kind of learning about what was going on and stuff like if it was normally I wouldn't start even really paying attention too much of the politics the Washington politics or the things that go on in Washington or the things that are going on in the election 
I would, until closer to the summer of 2020 or the summer of 2016. And I would still, I would listen to some podcasts and stuff that were libertarian podcasts and you'd hear about the libertarian candidates, you'd hear about libertarian topics in regards to the elections, but I really didn't follow the news day to day for probably five years before I started this show because I just got burnt out of it around 2011, maybe 2012, 2013, like that whole thing. It's just the divisiveness that's up there. The fact that when you realize that politicians are only there to get reelected and that's it, their entire goal, especially for like a congressperson, right? They start running for office pretty much the day that they get sworn in. So 2018 comes around, right? Then November, they have the elections. November 2018, they all get sworn in, beginning of 2019. And then all of 2019 is pretty much trying to rub elbows with the people, the right people, to make sure that you're going to get reelected in 2020. So you start rubbing elbows with these people, you start voting the right way. You start getting on board with certain committees. You start trying to get yourself into the higher-up positions. You start trying to get yourself into the in-crowd within your party. So you get on this this committee or that committee, this subcommittee. But immediately, they start saying, Hey, you know what? Come to this dinner party. Come to this place. Come to that place. We need to make sure that you are getting in front of the right people, the right donors. Because you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. We need to keep this seat. Stay loyal. Stay loyal to the party. And you will keep this seat for life. And if you go outside of that, though, that is when you start seeing people go where they're not going to get reelected. So the challenge that you have when you get up there is to start getting reelected. That's your goal. That's your entire plan from day one. And that's when I, when you start realizing that, senators, maybe they have a little bit more leeway. Maybe they do. That's a, that's a seat that you get for six years. So maybe you have about three, four years where you can kind of be independent and do your own thing. But with Congress, like with the House of Representatives, immediately you need to start getting in and start positioning yourself to win the next election. Yeah, you had a great grassroots campaign and you knocked on lots of doors, but you don't have the time to do that now. You're in Washington most of the time. So you need to make sure that those donors continue to flow that money towards you and towards your campaign. Making sure that you get reelected because you have got to protect that seat. That seat is important. That seat's a piece of power. That seat is something that makes sure that the money flows to the right places within the business community or within this community or that community. Make sure that money flows to the retirees because they have their hands on a certain percentage of it. Make sure those tax breaks flow to this corporation because they worked hard for that tax break, right? They put lots of lobbyists in place to make sure that they get that tax break. The system's corrupt. The system that they have up there is corrupt. And I heard someone talking about this one day. Like, how do you fix a corrupt system like that? And they were saying, oh yeah, maybe we should get rid of lobbyists. Maybe we should make it illegal to lobby. But you can't make it illegal to lobby. You have the right as an individual to petition your government, right? 
So how can you not have the right as a group to go petition your government? How do you not have the right to be a group all over the United States and hire 10 or 12 people to petition the government on your behalf? That's the thing. Like, you, you have to be able to petition your government. So I heard someone saying that. They said, well, we need, you know, the system's corrupt. So we need to fix that. We need to fix the reason, you know, the reason why there's that corruption up there. It's because of these lobbyists that are paying these politicians. The lobbyists that are making sure money's flowing to their re-election campaign. These lobbyists. It's the lobbyists' fault. But the lobbyists, guys, is a symptom of the problem. A symptom of a problem. A symptom of something that is huge, right? Take, for example... You're like Walmart. You're the director of Walmart. You're the purchasing director of Walmart. You're in charge of all of the flow of goods that goes into Walmart stores all over the world. How many people are going to be coming to you on a daily basis? I mean, Walmart has an entire system built up to make sure that they find the right products, that people present those products to them, that it gets funneled up to the right people to get those thing, those products on the store shelves. You go to Arkansas, if you have a product, you go to Arkansas, you present it to them, and if you can get them to buy it, then you just want a huge bid, man. You are just going to be rocking and rolling with, with money at that point. So you send, you make an investment, you send a group of people over there to essentially lobby Walmart, Right? Because you know that you're going to make so much money off of it if you can get your stuff onto their shelves. But you're not going to go lobby Jim Bob's convenience store down the road or, you know, John's thrifty, thrifty mart down the road because you'd have to do way too much of that. Because John's, John's thrifty mart doesn't have a huge presence. They have one or two stores maybe. So you might spend a little bit of time on that, but... They're not big. They're not huge. They don't have a lot that they're doing. But Walmart, on the other hand, huge, bureaucratic place. Lots of stuff. If you can get your product in there, you'll be successful. But what's the difference? One's small and one's big. That's why you have thousands of people going to Arkansas to try to get their products sold to Walmart. That's why you would have them lobbying Walmart. Because it's huge. There's lots of influence that Walmart has. Take that to the government side of it. You have two governments. One, let's say, has very limited scope. Not a lot going on. The people that are in charge have their hands tied behind them, their backs, essentially, because they don't have a lot of control over individual individually don't have a lot of control over anything that's financially you know any of the finance of the as finances of the government and they don't do much anyway they might pave some roads so you're gonna have the road paver association coming to them trying to make sure they get those contracts they might have some police officers so they'll have people come in to try to sell them uniforms guns weapons police cars things like that they might put a bid out every so often. But you might have people lobbying the, you know, the council or whatever that would make those decisions for that government. But like they don't, they have a very limited scope. And then take the next government, next, you know, another government that 
provides all kinds of things, everything. They have their hands in everything. They tax this and they do that. They tell them that they've got to do it this way. And we regulate this. Who's going to have the lobbyists go in there to try to end regulation, to try to get tax breaks, to try to get tax loopholes, to try to get their products sold there? They're just going to have so much going on. They're going to have so many lobbyists built around that. And that's what you have in Washington, D.C. You have a government that's out of control. You have a government that has way too much responsibility. You have a government that has just grown to the point where it's a leviathan. It's taking up 40% of the economy. They're spending two and a half, three, three and a half trillion dollars a year up there. Sorry, they're taking in three and a half trillion million or three and a half trillion dollars a year up there, and they're spending four and a half trillion dollars a year up there. Why wouldn't you go there and lobby to get something? If it costs you a million dollars to get a billion dollar tax break, that is one hell of a return, guys. That is a huge return that you would never get selling your products elsewhere. Walmart, if they could get a billion dollar tax break by spending a million or two million dollars on lobbyists to lobby for some that tax break, they would never be able to sell. If they sold a million dollars of the product, they might get $1.2 million out of it. 20% return if they're lucky because the margins are tight in retail. But if they could spend a million dollars and get a billion dollar tax break, you'd be stupid not to. But the reason why they do that is because the government is there for, you know, the, the politicians are there with their pockets empty looking for people to fill their pockets with money so they can get reelected. Because they have control over so much, those 550 or so people in Congress. They pipe, they, they have a little, they have a bill that's going up for vote. They all pack their little treats into there. Make sure that their constituencies get this and that. The people that elected them got this and that. The people that donated their campaign get this and that. Got to make sure that we get our, you know, give our, give our supporters their paycheck. But if they didn't have that much control, there was, the government was not spending four and a half trillion dollars a year. It was not taxing three and a half trillion dollars a year. You wouldn't have as many people up there trying to trying to pay off politicians or take them out to dinner to get them to vote a certain way. Writing bills that are going to get passed. Who writes the bills? You think that the Congress people are sitting there getting together, writing bills together? No, this isn't freaking 1822, guys. This is this is the 21st century. We have people that write the bills. They're basically the lobbyists write the bills. They all come together. They figure out what they want. They sell that crap to the politicians, packaged up, ready to go. They get one person to co-sponsor it. Next thing you know, they get four or five more co-sponsors and the ball starts rolling then. And at that point, they start paying off this politician and that politician to get their way. Oh yeah, but it's for the good of the people. That's how they always sell it, right? It's for the good of the people. It's good good for the American public. You know what's good for the American public? Limited government. A government that doesn't take so much. A government that leaves their money in your pocket. A government that leaves you alone. 
Yeah, if you break the law, so be it. But if you're minding your own business, if you're just out there trying to work, if you're out there trying to make some money, I would say the government should leave you alone. And that's it. So, yeah. The corruption is there. That is, it is, a, it is corrupt up there. And what we need to do is start looking to tell our friends about that. That we need, that, that, the, that the key is the limited government. That's the key. So, hey, I have another one more topic that I wanted to talk about as well. I was listening to an interview on uh, CNBC today, and they're interviewing a business owner. I guess he's a, he manages a factory that imports cheese, and then they package that cheese and send it to like Aldi, Walmart, uh, Target, like a bunch of different places. And they import cheese from like France and all over Europe. They have American cheese, not like American cheese like slices, but... You know, cheese from Wisconsin, like high quality cheeses is what they do, right? He has a hundred employees. He has um he has a plans to double the production of that factory, hire a hundred more employees, and get the factory going. And he says the problem is the tariffs. He says, How can I in the situation where they just raised the tariffs on French and imported cheeses by 25%, or up 20 to 25%. They raised that tariff there with the threat to raise it to a 100% tariff very soon. He said, how can I make a business decision to, to go ahead and invest in this expansion of my facility and hire more employees if I don't even know what the future holds, right? And he says... You're going to start seeing, as the price of cheese goes up, he says what he ended up doing is he, before the tariffs went into place, he just stocked up on cheese. He said, I can only stock up on so much. He says, but I, because obviously cheese is perishable. But he said he knows that the, that the scotch distributors bought like a year's supply of scotch, a lot of them did, in order to counter the effects of the tariff over the next couple months. Because scotch had a, scotch whiskey had a tariff put on it as well. And he said, you cannot make business decisions when there's uncertainty like that. And what the tariffs do is they cause uncertainty. How bad is that for our economy, right? How bad is that for the economy? It's not just the fact that you and I are going to be paying more for products. Because we do. If you go buy scotch, it'll be 25% more today than it was before. Or by next year it will be because they, like I said, they bought a year supply of it. But that's holding costs, that's storage costs, that's all that stuff, right? Because everyone buys it on credit. So if you buy a year supply of scotch, it's not like you go out and pay cash for it. You buy it on credit, so you have the interest cost that goes along with that as well. So the price of your scotch is going to go up just a little bit over time. And then eventually, that when that tariff is fully implemented, boom. You're paying more for that scotch or that cheese. But how are you going to make business decisions to go ahead and invest in your business if you're not certain of the future? That's the key. Yeah, you and I pay more. Are you okay paying 25% more knowing that 25% goes to the federal government? That is a tax on you and me. That's a tax on every individual. They talk about taxing the rich. All those taxes are huge taxes on the poor, even more so because it, it, it hurts them more than it would the rich because... A wealthy person can afford to spend an extra 2 or 
or four percent or five percent for a product, but it hurts the the poorer person in all those cases. So that's but the main thing is is think about the business decisions that people are making every single day when there's uncertainty. They don't know for sure if there's going to be a China trade deal. They don't know for sure if there's going to be a Canada, Canada, Mexico, USA trade deal or whatever the hell it's called, right? They have no idea. They're they're uncertain what's going to happen. And when you ha- put that into the mix, nobody's going to make investment in new stuff. You're going to hold off on investment for a little bit. Wait till you see a little bit of certainty down the road. Wait till you see things change. But the problem comes down to it again is that when America or when the leaders of America, especially like Donald Trump in this situation, when he says, screw all the trade deals, I'm ripping them all up. What does that say to people 10 years from now when there's a trade deal in place and a new president gets elected? It puts everyone in the position that, oh, you know what, we can't trust the United States. I mean, I think that this whole tariff thing is absolutely insane. Because everyone's going to slow down on their thinking on on investment at that point. And when people slow down on investment, it does hurt the stock market. Because that's where people invest in, right? People like these companies, Dollar General, Walmart, Lockheed Martin... You know, all the major corporations that you might invest in, they're investing their money for growth. And if they slow down on that investment, that is a negative on, that's a drain on the economy. I just don't know how Donald Trump doesn't see that. He's supposed to be a cunning, like a a nice, knowledgeable business person. And I just don't understand why he thinks that tariffs are good for the American people. It makes no sense to me. But hey, you know what? One day, maybe he'll back down on these things. I'm certainly hoping. But hey, guys, you know what? It's Friday. I'm going to release y'all to a great weekend, okay? I'm not going to go any further on my high horse. But the good thing is, is I hardly talked at all about that one thing, which is that I've been trying to avoid, the damn impeachment. So I appreciate you going along with me without talking impeachment as well. And uh, it's Friday, maybe by Monday, things will have changed. Who knows? I doubt that. But um, I'm sure there'll be some great news out there for me to talk about on Monday. But I appreciate you joining me. Uh, Have a great weekend, okay? If you want to go ahead and uh, subscribe to the show, you like what you hear, fantastic. Subscribe to the show. You can listen to the show on Monday. You can also listen to the 239 episodes I have previous to this one as well. They're not all current events that are going on. I talk about the candidates and their policies and stuff and critique them from a libertarian perspective so you can check those out. IonTheEmpire.com I've been trying to uh, put some new posts up there on, on a regular basis as well so check that out. I'm the Empire on Facebook and on Twitter. Ray at I am the Empire is my email address, alright? But the most important thing is to come back on Monday so you can have clear vision for 2020.